to another episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. Summer is rolling along. It's early August. Today was an unseasonably cool day, so I've been enjoying myself. I hope everyone's having a nice summer. My summer's been pretty busy. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on uh, with the band, and on a personal level, a lot of cool things happening. This episode reunites me with my old friend Mike Gallagher. Micah is a former guitar player in the band Isis, who, um, as most of you know, are great friends of mine, a bunch of dudes I respect to the utmost, and uh, it's really cool to uh, have a chance to catch up with Mike. Um, Unfortunately, we all live in different parts of the country, and it's hard to stay in contact on a regular basis, so it's uh, really cool that we're able to um, meet up and chat, even if it's via Skype, so there you go. Before we get rolling on this, I just want to shout out um, on it. If you go to everythingwentblackmedia.com and you scroll down, you'll see some links, uh, some links that'll take it to the Onnit site, um, you know, for foods and exercise equipment. And that's the kind of stuff. If you want to support the site, you can uh, click through, make a purchase, and I get a little taste of that purchase, and it kind of helps keep everything moving along here. Another way you can support the podcast is by checking out our Patreon. So it's patreon.com backslash everything went black podcast. Um, you can also get to it from the site, everythingwentblackmedia.com, or from our Facebook page. It's uh, pinned at the top. Um, basically, you know, I've been doing this for free. I'm going to continue doing it. Um, it's a way for you to pledge some money on a monthly basis or just a one time only basis if you feel more comfortable with that. And um, yeah, you know, I just, uh, it's all laid out on the Patreon site. I have some updates I want to do, some upgrades. I want to move into a new realm with this whole operation. And, um, you know, I'm going to rely on you guys to help me get there so we can all step forward into the future together. So yeah, check it out. Um, You know, like I said, man, uh, in the past, I've said I'm not really comfortable asking for help, but hey, we all benefit from this. So there you go. You can reach me uh, for comments and questions uh, in a number of different ways. Directly, you can hit me at mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. I'm on Instagram at mike underscore hill underscore primate. You can direct message me there. Twitter at mikehillhq. Everything Went Black has a Facebook uh, page, so you can go to the Everything Went Black Facebook, or you can go to my own, Michael Hill. So here we go with the next episode. So Mike, uh, in general, how's your summer been going? Summer's been going pretty well. I've been very busy with uh, regular, my straight job, regular work, but uh, I've also been busy with the band too. We've done a little bit of recording uh, and played a couple shows. So yeah, summer's, summer's been yielding uh, nice things thus far. So last year you had a, a full length come out um, which is a little bit of a departure from the other stuff that you, you've been doing with MGR. 
And um, so the new material that you're, you're working on and recording, is it sort of picking off with that last record uh, left off? It is. I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to incorporate other things in there uh, to try to kind of branch away from. I don't want to do the same thing again. As as any as any musician or visual artist or whatever will kind of tell you, it's it's a challenge uh, to kind of. It's easy to repeat yourself uh, because it's familiar, it's safe. Uh, so I'm trying to. I'm in the process now, of kind of working out some new material and finding new inspirations and uh, kind of calling up, calling upon different forces to kind of steer my ship. Uh, and hopefully it works. I mean, we'll see when we get there, but uh, so far it feels good at least. So, One of the things about uh, MGR is like you started doing this a while ago uh, when you were still active, when ISIS was still an active band, you'd started doing yeah. this project. And um, it's taken like a couple of different incarnations. So, I mean, for anyone out there who's like not familiar with it, you want to just give like a quick rundown of like you know how this uh, this whole idea came about. Um, basically, it kind of just started. Um, I put the first record out in two thousand five, so it started a little bit before that. Um, probably two thousand three, I started kind of writing little vignettes and recording them, and just you know. Some of them I try to squeeze in, into the into the ISIS world, and many of them just didn't fit, or there were too many other ideas floating around, or whatever. So um, I kind of started kind of compiling them and seeing what I could build upon from them, and uh, that's how MGR started. I put out the first record, Nova Lux, in 2005, like I said, and uh, it was kind of pretty droney, ambient. Uh, kind of somber uh, song, essentially. And it was a lot of fun for me to do and a really good exercise. It taught me a lot about uh, myself and kind of different ways of songwriting and, and all that. So it was a lot of fun, and I continued on that path, uh, collaborating with various people over the years, really until uh, 2010. And then uh, ISIS broke up, and I really just took a break from music because I kind of, you know, it was a challenging thing to, to have your life change so much. It's basically, to me, it felt like a, a mild divorce, I suppose. Um, so, you know, I kind of just took a break from music and we moved back to New York and, you know, just kind of worked a lot there, essentially. And then uh, Josh Graham asked me to open for him in 2014 to do a... Uh, European tour with him that was about three weeks, I think. And oh, he yeah. wanted me to just sorry. Yeah, I remember that actually. We um the one of the final dates I think on that tour is a Temples Fest in the UK where we all played together. Oh shit, yeah, that's right. We were played together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. And so he asked if I would just be MGR by myself, which I had done plenty of shows doing that, but uh frankly I wanted uh to kind of draw some energy and inspiration from other players, so um, I asked him, I asked Josh if, if I could steal a little him and a couple of his bandmates to, to do the tour and just wrote some songs and we went on tour and had at it and it was ended up being a lot of fun. So I kind of brought that that vibe back to Los Angeles and, and uh, you know found some good friends Brian Tulao and Jay Bennett and uh, Sash Popovic to play with here and uh, we've been kind of chipping away at, at you know ideas and songs and shows ever since. 
You know what's interesting about Jay is like Jay went from being a guy who never played guitar in a band to being in like three different bands now. Yeah, <laughs> he's the band leader and I's a Gemini, so he's yeah he's 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 a man of many hats it seems. So I, I'm I'm glad he seems happy doing it, man. So it's I think he's put himself in a lot of good places. So it's good. And I think he's also he plays uh, Rasputin in uh in an Integrity video. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was very excited about uh, the, the filming process of that for obvious reasons. As if if anyone has seen the video, that is, they'll be able to identify why he was excited about it. So in the beginning, starting as a you know like a one sort of a one man uh, ambient drone kind of project, and then having a full band, um, you know, uh, being being in a band setting again. Uh, you know, is that is that some is that like a, a positive thing for you, or do you, do you you enjoy the sort of interplay between other musicians, or do you still like to be in control of the whole thing? Um, I used to be really precious about being in control when we first started all playing together. I wanted things to be just so, and uh, you know, probably a little bit to a fault. I was never I was never a dick about it that I could tell, but you know, I, I have. Basically, the answer, the answer to your question is I've let go of a lot of that control. Um, I play with people who's playing I like. Yeah. I like the way they play. I like the way they think about music, and I like the ideas they bring to the table. So basically, the songs are mostly written when I bring them to the guys, and you know, some kind of we do some small tweaks to the structure together to kind of see how it flows and how it fits. But as far as people's individual parts, by the way, I like the drummers' drum parts and the you know the, the guitarists' guitar parts. I want them to do what they do, um, and I, 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 I it really excites me when the song starts to take a different different direction or a different uh, tone or a different life because of other players uh, basically putting their stamp on it. I think it's really exciting. It's no longer yours. It's kind of the world's at that point, and you're just throwing it out there. And uh, I, I, that, that part to me is it's really exciting, sitting home, demoing stuff, and, and finding ways to, to get through things. Uh, but it's also, for me, equally exciting watching it take its own kind of form and watching it fly away. So Now, one of the new, the new places that you extended yourself is uh, with vocals. Now you have uh, some vocals on the on the last record, and uh, so you know how is that? I mean, um, you know, ages ago for me, I was kind of forced into the role of being a vocalist uh, in a band I played in many years ago. Um, was it something that, in the back of your mind, you've always wanted to sing, and now you wanted to take that opportunity? Like, so how did how did that your decision to start doing vocals in a mostly instrumental project come about? No, to answer the first question, I never wanted to sing. I was always afraid of it, and uh, <laughs> I didn't think they had the voice for it. And in some ways, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm I struggle with uh, with a lot of things about singing, but uh, I it started with the last song I wrote for Becoming, which is the record that came out last year, was the song Becoming, and I was just kind of sitting on the couch playing that riff over and over again and I it was I was feeling that it needed something and I'm like well, maybe I should just try singing so I wrote some lyrics and tried some 
various harmonies and uh, kind of fumbled through it, really. Uh, and um, I think if I were to do it over, I would have chosen kind of a different, different, uh, different cadence, one that would suit my, my voice a little better. But uh, I was really happy to take that first step. And since then, I think I've gotten better at kind of like finding my range and, and staying in a, a zone that's more comfortable to me to sing. So uh, it's been it's been a long adventure, but it's also been really rewarding and really fun. So, did you uh, do any kind of like vocal study or like take some sort of uh, you know even even just like videos or some sort of you know training before you jumped into this? You just kind <laughs> of went for it. I, yeah, well, I mean, I went for it at first. And then when I really when I was struggling with pitch so much, I, I, I took some lessons from some some people kind of in my neighbor a woman in my neighborhood who was actually quite good and very helpful. And uh, all they do really is just give you exercises and kind of you know how do you work on your breathing and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it was it it's I, I did take lessons and it was super helpful. And also like she has helped me figure out like well you know just stay here for now like you you're comfortable here like you can hear it in, in your in your voice so uh that's yeah she's been great she was great when i was going to her yeah because uh you skipped the whole like soft you know freshman introduction to singing that most guys like you know in our sort of you know milieu uh, right. You know, we go through the, all right, we're going to scream and be all heavy and extreme and everything. And, and that you can get away without having any kind of real, you know, training or direction. And then over a couple of years of doing that, you kind of refine yourself and then you're, oh, I want to try to sing. You kind of skipped right. that whole scream stage and went right into the actual melodic, clean vocals. And that's, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I, it's basically, I blame like folk and country music for that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening to a lot of that stuff? Yeah, man, I've been uh, I've been on a big towns towns fans thing oh. the last couple of years. So. Very nice. So the new uh, material is it going to have more singing on it or like a even split or what? Yeah, um, there's an EP. So we recorded stuff for an EP, and every song there are two cover songs on it and uh, two two originals, and every song has vocals on it. Cool. And as far as the future, I don't think every song is going to have vocals on it because I don't think it would. I don't think it's going to be necessary. But I am writing songs with the intent on singing, you know, uh, on a, on a bunch of them. So it's I, I'm certainly actively incorporating that into into the fold more and more. So right now, what uh, what covers are going to be on there? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to announce that. Okay. I think. You don't yeah, want to break but, it here. Um, <laughs> You don't want to break it on the <laughs> Everything Went Black is, podcast. Uh, uh, the bands are this Joy Division song and a Spiritualized song. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, you have some touring coming up, too. We do, yeah. Let's see. We'll be, we start on the East Coast on September 11th, and uh, we play from Boston to Richmond, and then we uh, jump on a plane and go to Arizona and play from there through through the southwest and then up to the northwest and then back down to Texas. So uh, that's kind of that's the most extensive touring we've done in the States before. So I'm excited for that. That's a pretty uh, pretty crazy routing there. Yes. Uh, obviously through the through the you know, through Colorado and Texas and all that, the drives will be uh, quite large. <laughs> 
So do you have a transpo and like back line and stuff lined out lined up out here on the East Coast? On the East Coast, not yet. No, I was gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start fishing around for bands uh, this week. Actually, uh, mo- most of the gear is sorted, but uh, yeah, a couple things we got to button up. So, is it just you guys, or I thought there was someone else on that um, tour with you? Is just uh, MGR? Uh, uh, yeah. So we're uh, the label we've been working with is Mylene Sheath, yep. and uh, Dustmoth is another uh, band on that label, and that has. Uh, Ryan Fredrickson from These Aren't Just Snakes uh, is the guitarist in that band. Um, so we played some shows with them up in the Northwest in April, and uh, we kind of just got the idea that we should try to do a tour together. So that's that's how that happened. So nice. Yeah. Does uh, does the East Coast leg of this tour take you through Brooklyn, New York, by any chance? It does. We'll be uh, at San Vitus on the twelfth. So yeah, I like playing there, and I'm excited to be there again. Right around the corner, man. It's uh, what was it today's date? Is the sixth of August, so it's a few short weeks away, and you'll be here uh, uh, yes. in Brooklyn. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I live literally six blocks away from St. Vitus. Oh, I've been to your house. Yes, I know this. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you remember, but yeah, that's um, so yeah. I mean, if you got you know, obviously you guys need a place to crash. The doors open. Awesome. I, you may regret saying that. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we will darken your door. All you have to do is ask. I don't know. It's, it's pretty dark in here without you guys darkening my door, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, so then you, you, is that, is that, is there anything else after that? I mean, that's a pretty, uh, full comprehensive, uh, run through the States. I mean, that's, uh, pretty much hitting all the territories. Yeah, it is. It's just a couple. There's a one-off in October, but uh, that's yeah. I mean, and that's a show in Santa Ana with the Russian Circles. But uh, that's it. Yeah, that's all we got cooking for now. So, and then we'll kind of do that, and then see where where the day takes us. Awesome. This is kind of like a a question that's been, you know, I I haven't really brought this up with anybody, but it's like, you know, you used to play in, in ISIS, the band, and. Um, yeah. Over the last uh, decade or so, uh, the terrorist group ISIS uh, has come to prominence. Has there ever been any kind of um, have there, has anyone ever like reached out to you guys about that? You know, like any. Yeah, I guess there's some. I, I'm not really one to check the Facebook messages on the ISIS page, but I guess I, maybe it slowed down. I'm not really sure, but there has been some interband correspondence about uh, people, you know, kind of bitching and yelling and leaving shitty comments and it's like man like look at the page there's like dudes swinging guitars in the air in a live environment and it says isis the band yeah you know, so i'm sorry that some people are really dumb but <laughs> like i don't know um but there's been no i know there's been no like real threats like you know we're gonna we're coming for you or anything like that but i, I there has been like some some kind of um, small-minded BS floating around that. I will say there was one uh, Canadian news station that actually used the band logo while they were covering uh, the terrorist group. Oh, man. So that was both funny and really sad at the same time. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right uh, a few years ago, I was wearing an ISIS hooded sweatshirt um, yeah. walking through the streets of New York one day. Um and it was like the one that just literally it's a black hoods hooded sweatshirt with like the na- the logo across the front and and uh i didn't think 
anything of it until I got home. And I was like, man, everyone was been, I, I was getting a lot of odd looks like when I was walking you know, through the streets. And I was like, I'm like, what, you know, what's going on with everybody like staring at me? I mean, you know, I'm pretty innocuous looking guy. And, uh, yeah. and then I, when I, and I realized I'm like, oh, it's the sweatshirt. People thought I might've been representing the, uh, Muslim extremist terrorist group known as ISIS, as opposed to the band ISIS. Yeah, I, and I will say I have some friends that still that they'll, they'll send me texts every now and again about how how excited they were to go out to the movies and, and wear their ISIS T-shirt just to you know kind of rise out of people. But you know, T-shirt, I suppose. <laughs> you know, um, the influence of the band is pretty uh, pretty long-reaching, far-reaching. Um, you know, last night I went to see Neurosis here at uh, at um, Warsaw. You know, it was that nice. Do you love it? It was great. It was excellent. I mean, it was yeah. Neurosis. It was probably one of the top five times I've seen Neurosis, and uh, as far as they like have, greatness, yeah. you know, that's awesome. They, they've they've come back hard. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're 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 in a very very good place right now. And um, the band Amon Ra opened up the show. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I've been a fan of theirs for many years. Uh, my old band played with them in Belgium on our first and only tour. And um, the uh, tombs, you know, man, playing now. We play with them a couple times. We play with them at uh, at uh, Temple's Festival, and actually, yeah, the same day that um that we all play together, awesome. like Temple's awesome. Festival. Alan Ra played that, and I, I um, you guys have obviously been like a very heavy influence on bands like that. A lot of European sort of uh, just kind of post metal, for lack of a better term, bands. Is there? Do you ever think there would be an ISIS reunion? Reunion, is that what you said? Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, it's. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can't really answer that with any sort of definitive this or that. Um, it hasn't really been discussed uh, between between band members, so that I, it's it's just uh, it's just kind of a, a question lingering in the air, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine like knowing all you guys individually that there'd be probably a variety of different uh, degrees with which each member would would want to do something like like that. You know, a pretty big bandwidth, I believe. Um, you know, I mean, these days it seems like uh, reunions are are a common occurrence. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite fashionable to have a reunion now. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's not good or bad. It just is. So you know. Some of them I've actually enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah. Despite myself, because I, I originally was, like, really against reunions. And, like, <laughs> right. I think uh, when Rorschach had their reunion, that was the one that really kind of turned me around to bands reuniting and, and doing, you know, dates together and playing old songs and things like that. You know, I mean... Uh, yeah, I... I, I it's funny, I, had, I have a similar reaction. My, my initial knee-jerk reaction was, like... You know, uh, I guess uh, from the pages of Chunkle Magazine, the dinosaur chasing the dollar bill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but now I, uh, I'm not quite. A, I'm not really that precious about it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't really sweat the guys that want or the people that want to do it. And uh, like I said, I, I quite enjoy many of them. So you know, so yeah. it's a fun little trip down memory lane. Actually, one of the cooler reunions that's happened recently is the the Burn reunion. Um, yeah, they, oh yeah, I, I yeah. Did you see, have you seen him then, yeah? Um, uh, actually, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm ashamed to say I have not seen any of the new re- reunited Burn shows, even though I see Gavin almost every day of the week. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sad I missed it. They they played out here, and I just I flaked on on looking. And like two days after, I was like, okay, well there it went. <laughs> so. I mean, the last like seven months or eight months for me have been very busy, just being in and out of town on tour and things like that. So it's been tough to catch a lot of these things, but. Uh, what I do like about how the way they approached it is they, they got together and reunited, but they also started writing new material and put out a new record and all that other stuff. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Who, who, who put it up? Uh, well, there was two things that came out in the last couple of years. One of them, I think Bridge Nine put one out. Yeah. And, and then I think uh, Death Wish put the other one out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, two labels that will get you know, get it out to the people, you know? Yeah, totally. Have you been watching the new Twin Peaks at all? <laughs> I haven't. I don't have cable, man, so, yeah. You, you haven't, or no. you have? Oh, no, boy. I have not seen it because I don't have cable. I'm, I'm basically the guy who, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm too cheap for anything, so um, I have not seen any of Twin Peaks. I'm really looking forward to looking at it when it comes to some... <laughs> free streaming service that I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's something that uh, you know, it's it's that's a that's a thing I talk about with almost everyone I have on the show is just what their interpretations or reflections on Twin Peaks were. You know. It seems like it should be fantastic. So, um Well, I'm not going to I won't ruin anything for you because um Okay. You know, there's a lot of opinions out there, you know what I mean? And I, I have a couple mm-hmm. of my own, but uh we'll 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 wait until a later date to pick this discussion up about Twin Peaks after you've seen it. I look forward to that, Mike. <laughs> so uh, as far as like the creative uh, impulse, you know, what kind of stuff, like as far as your lyrics and things like that, because, you know, lyric writing is like a new, like sort of, uh, you know, horizon for you to cross over into. So, um, you know, do you keep notebooks? Uh, is it, you know, observational stuff or, you know, so what's uh, what's the crux of that? Yeah, um, yes to both. Um, either, you know, I don't really always have a notebook with me. I do own a couple of them that find different homes, but I'll write, like, usually it's just, like, uh, inspiration from something that I'm reading or if I'm on a hike or something like that. That tends to, like, stuff tends to pop in quite often in that environment. Uh, if I see something, a str- strange interaction at work, between two people that'll you know that'll kind of maybe trigger something uh it's usually observational but it's really uh, i find when i look take my kind of remove myself from it it's kind of about me really <laughs> so, yeah um which is maybe true of everyone or maybe not i'm not sure but uh but yeah it just happens everywhere like uh, inspiration comes from a lot of different places and usually what happens is i just uh write down some sort of few words about it and then uh, you know when I'm in, a, when I'm in a, a better spot at home in front of the computer or something like that I'll, I'll kind of be able to sit down and expound upon it and have all the bad ideas and then filter some of that out and start having good ones so is it like a you know a weekly kind of pro, you know practice that you have you know do you like set aside time every day or you know how do, how do you you know like, or just when inspiration hits you? Yeah, it's mostly when inspiration hits me. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll just be like, I think it's time to do that, you know? And then I'll sit down and do it. Um, 
and I, I, I don't. There's no timeline for me. There's, I don't have any. There's no goal of recording right now. Right now, it's like it's the time of freedom uh, as far as looking at music and working on both music and lyrics. Uh, I, I just have a lot of time, so I can kind of like. Well, basically, what I do in the I get up early in the morning. I call in time for work is like seven, so okay. I have to be you know at work at seven o'clock. So what I do is get up probably like 25 or wow. somewhere around there, you know, go walk the dogs, have your little morning ritual, and then uh, go to the garage and like play some music, sing a little bit, work on lyrics if I want. And then when I come home, I, you know, I try to do that again, but you know, sometimes you're just too tired or things are too busy. So, but usually the mornings are like my kind of meditative state where it's like, I can give myself to it pretty completely. And uh, that's, it's a good way to start my day. So, Damn, that's early. Oh, shit, yeah, it is. It's terrible. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, but, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's not terrible. It's challenging, so. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, Even though I've known you for, like, 20 years at least, I still looked up some information about you on the Internet. <laughs> it, right. it says in Wikipedia oh. that you're originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, is that enough. true? <laughs> no. I was born in Boston yeah. and raised in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. So that is that's as far as um, my reach went as a child. That's fucking crazy, man. Because I'm like I'm like let me you know I've known Mike for quite a while, but you know you never know. You might there are a couple of facts might jump out that you didn't you know you didn't realize. And I saw that yeah. in Wikipedia it states that you're from Philly, and I was like I <laughs> I go I'll be goddamn I didn't know that about I didn't know Mike was originally from Philly. That's crazy. I know but. what's funny because I thought about like trying to edit it, but then I. I had an MGR Wikipedia page that someone set up, and I edited that. Like, just put the, like the releases on there yeah. in a more in a clean way. And I didn't put any citations because I'm like, it's just fucking records, you know? Like, who cares? Right. <laughs> and so they just shut the page down. So I'm I'm scared to edit my Wikipedia page because I'm afraid they'll shut that down too. And then then it won't exist anymore, Mike. Well, what I'll uh? Just be invisible. Yeah, you you would only exist in the physical world. <laughs> As a as a material entity, your 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 online Boring. digital version wouldn't exist. Um, so what what constitutes them shutting down a Wikipedia page? I don't know. I think I didn't. I think uh, there were no citations regarding the releases, right? So I guess you need a or like a bibliography kind of thing or whatever. Like uh, on the bottom of the page, you're meant to like have links verifying the information this information was kind of cold from this website and you know so on and so forth oh, okay so i didn't i didn't back up the changes that i made so they, they literally just closed it down which, oh, I, see. Um, I, I didn't realize they applied that level of diligence to wikipedia but that's i guess it's kind of a good thing sure yeah yeah I, i'm sure it is yeah so uh you know in the beginning mgr the the three letters I um, when you first started doing this project, I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" I thought it was like, you know, some play on your name, um, Michael right. Gallagher, or uh, yeah. you know, there was like, um, you know, the M- MSG, the Michael Shanker Group, or something. You know, I, I thought there was some initial thing, but later on, I found out that MGR stands for Mustard Gas and Roses. So, what yes. what is that a reference to? Uh, it is a reference to. Uh, it's a quote from Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut, um, and he uses it twice in the book, and one is later in the story, and uh, he's kind of talking about the horrors of war, 
and you know it's literally just talking about you know people dying and, and whatnot uh, but in the beginning of the book it's they're kind of setting up the story and telling a little bit about uh, the main character and he is just sitting in his in his house his wife's upstairs asleep uh, he's down in the kitchen he starts calling the operator asking to be connected to, to ex-girlfriends uh, or ex-lovers or whatever and um, he's in, in that context, the quote says, the operator did not seem to mind my mustard gas and Rose's breath. So it just seemed kind of a, a cute and sad and beautiful moment that he was having. Uh, so that always really just stuck with me for some reason. So I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really excited last year when we were doing press for the record. Uh, I guess... Someone affiliated with the Vonnegut compound uh, has set up a Facebook page. Oh, cool. And they actually linked the record um, or whatever, like mentioned the record in a post of theirs. I, 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 I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a pat on the back. It's not a pat on the back from Kurt, but it's, uh, it's as good as I'm, I'm going to get right now. So there you go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, are you, yeah. are you a big uh, Kurt Vonnegut fan? Do you like all of his other work? Or I really do. Yeah. He has a, uh, a really interesting way of explaining uh, moments in, in people's lives, and and kind of to me, it's like really simply put, profound observations. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I could I could get yeah. I could use that. That's a good description of how his work is. Yeah. Also, you um you seem to have uh, secured the often coveted um, role of film scorer. Uh, over the last few years so uh, you know you, you end up scoring a film which is something that almost everybody in a band or plays music or whatever wants to do that kind of thing so how'd that how that you know come to pass literally it fell in my lap so it's, <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of funny uh, this is this is this is a funny story for me at least um, I got an email from the director whose name is Kuhn Mortier uh, he's the Flemish guy from Brussels and he literally sent me a script and said, you know, I, I got your, your, one of your CDs from the music store. Uh, I'm interested in talking to you about, you know, doing a score of my next movie. And literally, you know, at that point, ISIS was kind of in full swing and I was getting a lot of emails from people that maybe weren't always being truthful. So I just kind of shelved it. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And then a few months go by and I went back and reread it. I'm like, I, I think this is a real thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I reached out to him. And I'm like, Hey, Coon, man, I'm sorry. You know, is this still an is this still a possibility? What's going on? And uh, you know, he hadn't even started any. He's not starting the production yet. So uh, I was still plenty of room for for us to kind of discuss the vibe that he wanted and, and all that. So, but as far as how he heard of MGR. He, um, I guess what happened was he had a meeting about possibly doing a film adaptation of, of the movie Slaughterhouse, of the book Slaughterhouse-Five into a movie, obviously. Okay. So, um, I guess, you know, he went and bought the book and kind of, you know, got familiar with it and, and figured out, like, how he would try to pitch it to, you know, to the producers and all that. And I guess... Uh -huh. that, 
guess that week he went to uh, a music store and saw one of the MGR records that just come out and on the front of it it was written Mustard Gas and Roses and he's like okay that seems that seems like some weird happenstance so he bought it you know kind of sight unseen listened to it and then enjoyed what he heard and reached out to me total weird and random events so uh to to kind of cut right to it um my I, I asked him if the, my angle on doing the music was just to write a bunch of stuff give it all to him have him give me notes or accept it or you know deny it whatever whatever he wanted and we kind of just go from there yeah and that's exactly what we did and you know some of the stuff he took it as is and most of it he had small moves to medium moves here and there and then uh I guess when he was filming, he actually played some of the music for the actors to kind of, you know, get in the mood that he was trying to create, which I thought was kind of really cool. And then, uh, and then I went out, yeah, I went out, we, we, we did some, some editing together and, uh, I went out for the premiere after that. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a really wonderful and easy experience. What, um, what's the name of the film? The name of the film was 22nd of May. Okay. Yeah. Now, is this soundtrack, is this score available for purchase anywhere? Uh, I think the label that put it out shut down, so... Uh, <laughs> so physical media, probably not. I think it's on my Bandcamp page. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty sure you can get it there. So now people in general wanted to, like, uh, you know get at you and check out some of your stuff or listen to streams or, you know, buy music because, uh, all you have, a, you have several things available and they're all on sort of different labels. Is there one specific place that they can go to, to make digital purchases and a different place to make physical purchases? So how, how do people find you on, online? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> basically I have a few things for sale on the bank page and that, that's as far as my, like Narat has done uh, a bunch of records that I've, that I've been, yeah. I've done so they probably have physical copies but I kind of I'm not really sure about that so <laughs> I'm like the worst at like self-promotion <laughs> but if, if they went to the Bandcamp page at least there's like downloads of all this all the stuff you have right or is this not of all of it I, I don't think I've, yeah, I'm gonna I haven't put it all up yet but yes uh, there are three things I think it's 22nd of May and Nova Lux and Wavering on the Cresting Heft, which are the kind of the three that I did by myself. Okay. Um, uh, and Becoming is actually up there as well. That's right, yeah. And then that that's last year's release that's on the Mylene Sheath. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. You know. Is there a website or anything or a Facebook page? Or? No, it's just a Facebook thing and an Instagram thing and uh and the band camp is really all all that I've I've done. Well, these days that's pretty much all you need, I guess. I th- I feel like that's enough. Yeah. yeah. You know why go I mean, out? The bands and... I know with websites are like Sergeant House bands because that's because Kathy sets it all up, and I mean they're great. They're you know very elegant and easy to use. Yeah, so. I feel like um, you know the uh, website. You know, if if you're a sort of primitive sort of guy and you don't know anything about it. To go and and uh, and have someone do it for you is almost like a, because then you have to maintain it, you know, and and um, you gotta like upload new photos or you know it's just stuff like that. It just seems like a losing battle these days where you can just go to like Facebook and like have it, you know, 
a third party kind of platform like that, it's easy to keep things updated, you know? It's, it, it seems simpler and, you know, I, I mean, who has time to like really dedicate, I mean, I'm, you know, trying to do music as much as I can. I'm trying to work as much as I can. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, <laughs> there's, only, there's only a certain amount of energy in my body. I know that. Yeah. When was the last time you actually went to a band's website? I mean, I find myself never doing that, hardly ever these days. Literally, like some of Sergeant House bands, only because I know they exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and that, yeah, that was just probably like to find out. Uh, so Brian Tulao is also, uh, he plays guitar with me, and he's also the guitarist of Chelsea Wolf. Oh, okay. Uh, so when, I, when I'm trying to book a date, and I need to find out if he's available. I check Chelsea's website to see if he's on tour or not. Then, so <laughs> has he always been in Chelsea Wolf's band? No, it's been I think it's been about a year and a half or oh, something okay. like that. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, I've seen her with a lot of uh, different musicians, and they're always really, really good, of course. But uh, he brings he brings uh, some really nice shit to, to to her to her live setting. Brian is a. a one of I mean, he has a lot of gifts, but one of his gifts is uh, one of his biggest gifts that I've known is he's really able to complement what someone else is trying to do. So if you have a good idea, it's going to be great by the time he gets his hands on it. You know? Yeah, and he's a, he's a, the gen- the gentleman that played with you last year when we all played together out in L.A. Right? Yes, okay. that's the guy. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the Brian that I know. Exactly. Okay, cool. That's he he the one. Yeah, now nah, he's great, man. And it's been interesting though, because uh, so Brian and Sash are like the main guys uh, in, in Los Angeles. They do most of the recording with them, and you know, we we've been working together since you know on and off at least since 2014. And they're not really always able to tour because you know, as I mentioned, uh, Bryce playing with Chelsea and Sash is uh, Sash has a, a you know. Two, two beautiful girls so he, he can't really go away that all that much sure so um, I've gotten some other friends of mine Mark Brandy who I've been friends with forever uh, since Boston days uh, plays guitar on tour usually and his good friend Patrick Crawford who uh, is a good they, they both live in San Francisco so uh, I, I approached Mark about doing the, doing the tour up to Northwest in April uh, because the guys weren't available and then uh you know, I needed both him and the drummers. He was able to get Patrick on board. And they're both super good dudes, great players, easy to play with. So so this brings up another question that um, I've been asked this question myself. And, uh, you know, it seems that you have a, a band consisting of members or possible members that all live in different cities. And there's all these, uh, you know, geographical sort of constraints and things like that. So... Do you, um, so practice is not like a regular, uh, weekly thing, right? Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Sometimes I wish it was, but it is absolutely not. Um, usually it's a get-together three times and then go play a show. Right. That's usually the move. Um, and, um... Well, that's not, that's, normally that's true. Um, with the, with the tour that we're doing on tours that we're on the east and west coast that's going to be like the touring guys that's going to be like uh, Mark and, and Patrick 
So I'm going to go up to San Francisco next weekend and uh, go over some, like, two or three new songs that I want to try to incorporate into the set that they've never played or heard. So I'll go up. We'll kind of work on them on Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, then me and me and Jay will go up uh, the weekend before we leave the tour. And, uh, we'll, you know, three of, the four of us will get together in the room and try to flush it out. And then, uh, then we'll go on tour and hope for the best. <laughs> You know, it's funny how many bands do it that way, man. It's funny because, like, you know, you go through this whole part of your life where you're playing in a band with your 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 buddies that you live in the same area. And, you know, you get together three or four nights a week in the practice space, and you build something up. And then, like, it's funny, man, because that's I mean, that's totally how I operate. I mean, I'm the only I'm the only member of Tombs that lives in Brooklyn right now, and we practice out in New Jersey. And we got two guys from Pennsylvania and. And it's um it's surprising how how common that is, and it kind of trips people out. Like when you tell them that, oh yeah, man, we got these two guys live in San Francisco, and this guy lives here, and this guy lives in like Olympia, Washington, or whatever. And it's like, you know, what I'm saying like they wonder, well, how the hell are you guys playing a band, you know? And it's like, yeah, I think that's kind of the way things are once you hit like a certain like point in your life, and you're still playing in a still playing music, you know? Yeah. It gets, I mean, yeah, it just gets more, like, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Like, I, I, I'm excited for the challenge, but it just gets more and more complicated. Yeah. So you have to get really goddamn creative in, 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 in your approach and be open to things that I would not, I, the mic from 15 and 20 years ago would not be comfortable at all with with this arrangement that I have with, with these, you know, five other guys, essentially. Um, but now I think it's awesome. It's fun. It's, uh, let's see what happens. It's going to bring out something weird, you know? Um, yeah. and by weird, I mean, hopefully good. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, I, I, I find it to be kind of thrilling. So, you know, yeah, I used to think that, uh, you know, it would be tough to do it, but it actually, I think it turns out to be better because I feel like you get a more economical time spent together if you know that you only have like, okay, we're going to do this for these next two days and, you know, this is what all we're going to do. And I think that it just brings a certain economy to the way you approach it when you know that you only have like, you know, two days to work together for this session, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember like yep. when, you know, back when I played yeah, my old band, true. you know, it was like we'd have practice three or four, you know, three days a week, sometimes four days a week and it was like we'd get together and we'd, how much work do we actually get done? You know what I mean? It was like we would just be there in the room, like fucking around with our guitars and basses and shit, and then like run the, run the set, you know? And and a lot of times I, I always felt like, you know, even for me, speaking for myself, I wasn't like, ah, man, I just want to get the fuck out of here, you know what I mean? And like go home or whatever. <laughs> but we're here, so we're going to do it, you know? But, um, yeah. but now I, I do, for me personally, like when it's like, on a schedule, on a calendar, and it's like, okay, we're I'm setting aside, you know, these two days to work on new material with the band, or like this like three or four day period is like getting ready for tour. It just focuses your 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 energy, I think, a lot better that way, you know. Yes, it's so, true. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, like the, the the one thing that is not there, is like you know, just the like the muscle memory might not be quite as kind of profound or whatever. 
other than that, I, well, I mean, basically, I agree with everything you're saying, but that's the only thing that like sounds sticky to me. But yeah, I mean, like you are what you what you were saying is you're just more economical in, in in everything, and I wholly agree with that. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. for for me, I got to do a lot more on my, practicing on my own. Otherwise, like my you know ri- hand strength fucking disappears. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like playing like uh, I mean, ideally, everybody does, and you walk into the room with something real to share. You know, so. Probably one of the best experiences with this I ever had was like when, um, like a few months ago, I had to basically come up with a completely different touring lineup for a tour that we did with Darkest Hour. And, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, my, my, the two, the guitar player and bass player that I got for that tour, Ken Sorceron and, uh, and Jeff Wilson, um, you know, two very seasoned guys, uh, they showed up for the first day of practice completely knowing every inch of every song every fucking note of everything like perfectly and i was like wow and uh because you know i'd never done anything like that before man i'd always like had you know i've had filling guys in the band but it was like a completely different experience having like these people and i didn't really even know those guys that well i mean we i toured with ken and jeff like prior in their other bands and i knew them from the road but like you know, being in a band with them was like uh, a new experience for me. And then just showing up for the first day of our rehearsal for the tour and having the dudes know the songs kind of better than I did actually in some ways. Cause I was like making mistakes and they like knew the shit, you know, and it was kind of crazy. <laughs> you know? It's like, I, how do you do that? Like, I, I'm not sure that I'm really that good. Actually playing with Ken was like really because that dude is like a shred guitar player that that guy can like okay. play like you know he could be like a he could take marty friedman's place in like megadeth or something you know what i mean jesus okay yeah and right, i was right. like boy i really don't know what the fuck i'm doing on guitar and i should start practicing more that's kind of like the takeaway and uh i've gotten like really into like practicing over the last few months like when i'm home and i'm like yeah man i got a lot of time to catch up on with these dudes because these guys have been like doing sweeps ever since they were like 16 years old and like fucking just like in a different level quality control level with their playing that I just haven't been in in the last you know 10 years or something like that yeah yeah I know well that, that's the other thing is like I didn't really start playing guitar seriously until like 10 years ago no I mean I played it regularly and like wrote stuff absolutely and I wrote stuff that I thought I still think is and was really good you know but as far as like playing and like you know really like trying to figure out new ways for me to look at it and I mean there's always been a little of that but I feel like only maybe like 13 years or something like that like but when you know when ISIS first started it was like go there and and do a good job and and write some cool shit and you know whatever it was it was all it was kind of familiar familiar territory for me but you know as, as time went on you get good at your gifts and you need to push yourself harder. And that's when I started to kind of play a little more seriously. So you bring up an interesting point because, um, I've actually had this discussion with a couple people, you know, like about, you know, that late nineties era of sort of when metal, like kind of like more metal tropes and music and hardcore and all this other stuff kind of got mixed together for the first time. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was still dudes with like a punk rock aesthetic trying to play metal 
and the technique part wasn't necessarily there. You know what I mean? Right. And versus guys who grew up listening to like Slayer and Megadeth and you know death metal and and their ability are also oftentimes on two different levels. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like trying to jump from one like quality sort of level to the other often was like something that a lot of people couldn't make that jump I think sometimes you know what I mean yeah it takes a shit ton of work which is kind of what we're talking about yeah it's like you gotta really like cause that, that's kind of like like for me like personally I you know I, I'm more from like the punk background like you know I, mean, I love I mean I've always been a metalhead like I've always listened the first shit I listened to like Sabbath and Priest and all that stuff but I I was never a good guitar player you know and like I kind of backed into things and then like suddenly I'm playing with dudes who all they've been doing is playing guitar for like, you know, 20 years and like, like in, in a, in a very, they were about it in a way that I never was, you know what I mean? So it's like a real, real challenge to kind of bring my own skills up to that level. You know, it's, it's fucking cool though, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's good. Like that's, well, when you mentioned, uh, uh, I'm sorry, brother, I don't remember his name, but you're your most recent touring guitarist. Ken. Um, Ken, yeah. Um, he basically gave you a gift. You know, he's just like, okay, well, I mean, I think not intentionally, of course, but he, you know, showed you that you, you know, you perceive yourself as needing to practice. So, yeah, no, it was great. It was yeah, excellent. And that, and that, I, I get the same same from both Bri and Mark. I'm like, oh, that just came to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to try to rethink a couple of things. And it's, it's never a bad thing. It's never an ego thing. It's just a, okay, how can I, how can I find my own way to, to that little illumination that they quickly call upon, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like, uh, you, you just, when you think, you know, something, you realize you don't fucking know anything. And I think that's the coolest <laughs> thing about actively being involved in music is like, like the further you go, like the more you you learn about where you fit into the overall hierarchy of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like even even when I'm like, oh, I love music, man. You know, I'm, I'm really into music. But it's like when you talk to someone else who's like into a different style of music, and they're like, I love music too, so let's talk. And then you realize you don't know anything about music. You just know about like the fucking rock world or something. You know, you know like mm-hmm. you know like UFO and you know scorpions and you know you know about black flag and like the circle jerks and metallica but you don't know anything about like fucking you know like r&b you know which is like not even that far of a jump from where we're at you know no and it's like and and because you know you know a lot right from uh from dialect yeah yeah so that guy like fucking i i worked on on this track a couple tracks with him before like a few months ago and uh, he's got a studio in uh, Harlem, and he's playing okay. playing me shit. And he's just like, his whole thing is like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of like white guys and beards, you know. And I want to do something different. I want to like, you know, I'm about like, like a whole different thing. And like, you know, I can tell you're interested. So I'm like listening to this stuff, and I'm like, I don't know anything, dude. I know like one <laughs> tiny little microscopic cross section of what music's all about, or what's even out there. And just this yeah. guy who's like maybe two degrees off off of where I'm at has this whole other insight into a whole other world of shit that I'm not even familiar with, doesn't even know exist. And that's like one of the coolest things about being a fan of music is that you're always learning about new shit. Yeah, and that, that's, um, yeah. And a lot of it's really good for that all the time. 
um, yeah, he's uh, it, it, it's amazing to talk to him. It always has been. So he's always had that, that fire in him to, to just consume you know anything like voraciously. So yeah, he, I think I think he'd be a good guest on this podcast too. Actually, yeah, yeah totally. I'm supposed to go hang out with him in a couple of weeks up at his place, but oh, uh, good. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, dialect toured with ISIS a few times, right? Yeah, there were all there were like I mean, it was a fucking bombastic experience. Those guys, it was awesome. I know, I mean, like Chang, whatever, maybe didn't leave on the best terms or something like that. But he, like, at least in the live environment, he was uh, a force to be reckoned with. You know? Yeah. So, and his playing or his his DJing may not have been the most refined or whatever, but just his vibe and his energy was like. A, a, you know, so as all of theirs were, but I saw them. They're still, they still are amazing. Uh, yeah. I saw them out in Los Angeles, I probably a few months ago, maybe. And uh, Mike Mayer is is now, you know, uh, run on run, run on the computer and the noises. And uh, I didn't know the DJ, but he was. I mean, it's, they're a fucking brutal, awesome thing. So, you know, it's funny because we played with them last summer and. Me being a, the idiot that I am, didn't know that Alop was was not in the band anymore. <laughs> and I was oh, like, okay. sure, sure. and I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna see Alop. It's gonna be cool. I haven't seen that dude in you know ages. And I'm like, I see like a bunch of these like lo- like urban looking dudes showing up, and I'm like, huh, okay, this must be dialect. All right, uh, fuck, where where's, where's the, I'm like, I want, I'm like, where the hell is Alop? But I, so I texted him. I'm like. Where are you? Where are you, dude? We're playing with you guys. So he's like, he's like, he's like, listen, fool. I haven't been in the band in like fucking eight years or some shit, or, or I don't know how, how long he's been. I mean, he's been out of the fucking. It's loop. been a while, yeah. Man. Yeah, I don't know if it's been eight years, but it's been a while, right? And I was yeah, like, I oh man, dude. I, he only kind of um, will only recently turned it back on, though. I mean, they were like doing some some small shit here and there. But they only started like touring again and putting out records, you know, in the last couple of years. Okay. So, um, so I mean, like it, you know, it was never like announced, and they never really played that much. So you could have never seen them without him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's cool. I don't feel so bad. I'm yeah. like, man, no, I'm like no. really fucking out of the loop if I didn't, you know, because yeah. I I really do enjoy their music, man. And they were great that night we played with them. They were cool. I mean, well, yeah, Mike's been around forever. Mike's been part of that crew. He was, like, their their, their road guy um, and he, uh, forever. I've, done, I've actually, I did one of the MGR collaborative CDs was, was with, the, like, the noise guy. Mike oh, okay, Mayer. cool. And uh, he's fucking awesome to work with. He has a really good sensibility musically and, you know, whatever, it does, compositionally speaking as well. Uh, so he'll, him and Will are a, good, are a good team for sure. One of the things that I really took to heart after talking to those guys, or talking to, to a lot the last time I hung with him, is that um, he was like saying that he's he got sick of like dudes, because uh, you know dialect is a, is a legit hip hop group, you know, and uh, but you know they they toured with the Melvins and you know ISIS and you know like more rock bands, and he just got tired of like kids at shows just being like, oh, I don't really like, I don't like hip hop, but I like dialect. And, and that yeah. really, that kind of like really stuck with me thinking like, I think, you know, maybe I'm, I, I'm, I think I might be guilty of that a little bit myself, even though I do oh, have like, I mean, I love like stuff from the last real hip hop I listened to is from the nineties, you know? Same and, here, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, maybe I should open my fucking mind up to other shit. And that's why like, 
one one of the objectives going up to the studio in a couple weeks is like I go look, dude, I'm gonna come up there with a notebook and I I want you to just play me shit. I don't know. I don't care if it's just like an MP3 or some dude that like is just was there like two days ago. But what you think is like the best shit that's out there right now that's like operating on a level that I don't I wouldn't know about. So I can just you know check out some things that like most I in my everyday life wouldn't really come in contact with you know. Because he was like talking about all kinds of crazy shit, man. Like all these like. R&B singers, he's like, yeah, you, you listen to, like, some of this R&B stuff, these, like, really underground stuff, it's like, it sounds like Godflesh, and then, like, with some chick singing over it, and I'm like, wow, that's, like, fucking cool, man, that sounds great to me, and, and he was just playing me all this, like, off-the-wall stuff from, like, Europe, and I'm like, wow, this is, like, just got me really excited, I mean, you know how excitable he gets, man, and he was getting... Oh, no, I, well, the, the, the fact that you put that out there said, come, you know, I want you to show me shit. He is going to be like a pig in shit when you go up there. Yeah. He's all fucking yelling and screaming, waving his arms in the air like a, like a maniac. It's gonna be, he's going to love it. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's cool, man. And I'm looking forward to it, too. I mean, if the project that I was working on was with this guy, Christian McKenna, who, um, he's the guy with this translation loss, like that record label. Gotcha. And he had, um, like, a, he has a project that he, he plays in a bunch of different things, but he's got a project um, that's like an electronic thing. And, uh, a couple of weeks prior to that, he was like, hey, do you want to come up and play bass and guitar and maybe do some vocals on these tracks that I'm working on? And I'm like, yeah. So I go, you know, me, wanting to be prepared. I'm like, can you uh, send me demos or something of the song so I can at least write a part or, you know, be prepared? And he's like, well, that's not really how we do things around here. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I just like, I just showed up and... uh yeah, they basically wrote everything that weekend. And it was just like, all right, cool. They, they kind of qualitatively described like what they kind of material, like what they wanted the tracks to sound like. And I just kind of freestyled whatever the fuck I wanted in whatever key. And then a lop just kind of turned it backwards and put like different effects and dropped the pitch and do, did all this crazy shit. And it turned out to be this really cool project that's coming out. Yeah, I don't know awesome. when. And I don't know when it's coming out, but it's coming out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's all. And I imagine he'll put it out, right? I mean, it's his. Yeah, translation loss yeah. definitely putting yeah. it out. Awesome. Good. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's awesome. That's. It's a fun, inspired way to, to go about it, man. I mean, because well, uh, I'm gonna make an assumption, but um, I imagine you you are at are or at some point have been like I am and have been. And that is like you get precious about ideas and you want to like, you know, have it be a certain way or whatever. But then you walk into someone else's house and it ain't your fucking show. And yeah. you just do you do what they want and you make it as good as you can in that moment. And that's kind of a really awesome and beautiful thing. Yeah, it was definitely so, a positive thing for me to go through. Yeah. You know, and I want to do more stuff like that, you know, and it's, yeah. it's like really cool, you know. That's why, yeah, it's like... Um, we used to do this. I mean, this is okay, vaguely related, but it's it's in kind. Like Andy Arahood, which is one of the dudes from Red Sparrows. Um, yeah. Years ago, like the mid two thousands, he was just like he was listening to a lot of like old, you know, Peter Green, Fleetwood Mac, and like kind of like blues, more like blues kind of rock kind of shit. And he's like, man, you know, I think we should just get together once a week and do like a blues jam. It's like, you know, there's four of us, there's six of us, there's whatever of us in the room, and whoever is on drums, we, the, 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 you know, and 
just everyone else pick up an instrument and yell out a key and just jam on a riff and like swap solos and just try some weird shit that we don't normally do. And we did that a bunch and I'm like, my God, this is fucking awesome. (laughs) And then I did something similar. Like, so Aaron Turner's brother, Charlie lives in, lives in Los Angeles. And, uh, we're both, we've both done a bunch of carpentry. I'm basically a carpenter in my, in my normal job. So I did a lot of work for him when he was redoing his house and we kind of became really close um, in that time, or you know, close enough, like we call each other and, and hang out every now and again. And one of the things that I'll do is like, he's a guitar teacher as well, and uh, I'll just go over his house and we'll just jam. We'll just like, you know, trade solos, and he's like, what riff you got? And like, we'll just solo over it, you know, and then we'll just go back and forth. And uh, I went over his friend's house, who lives kind of near me, and uh, there was like, you know, five guys, and we're just, jamming trading solos there too i'm like what a weird goddamn thing this is but like, it was just again now no one's recording no one's no one's judging it's just like a free and weird thing to do that i would not normally do so it was it was fun and different like i said so you know yeah that's like you know you know the band the royal trucks have you ever heard of them i do yeah i feel like that's how they record albums you know it has to be though right yeah like that whole like like uh pussy galore you know like Royal Trucks, like that blues noise kind of thing. I feel like that's their records sound like that, you know. Even I would even say like maybe like Exile on Main Street era Rolling Stones might have even have written some written written songs that way too, or it's just like a, a fucking continuum of of riffing and ideas, you know. Yeah, I feel like that's why they had four thousand takes of each song. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? it's like they just kept doing it until they found a happy place. Like, all right, cool, print it, you know, or whatever. So. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's seeing that, that Nick Cave. Um, you probably saw the Nick Cave documentary, the most recent one, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, I'm not giving anything away, but there is a time on it, uh, several times on it. It's about recording a new record, which I'm pretty sure you've heard the new record. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Okay, yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so, and and. Uh, so they're like tracking and like, you know, people like stand around talking and Nick's just like, we're losing the mojo. We had it and we're almost there. But like, can we just get back to work? Because, because he, they do everything live. I mean, they go back and do overdubs to kind of fill it up a little bit, but yeah. everything is live, you know, that's I'm like, cool, fuck man. man, you that, guys are awesome. <laughs> that, that's like the old school I, way of doing things, man. That's like all those Zeppelin and Sabbath, those early Sabbath and Zeppelin records are all done just like live, man. In a room. Fucking skinny legs and all right there, right in front of you, you know? And that's what we, so when, when I took, when me, Mark and Jay and Patrick went to the Northwest shows, as I kind of like two of the songs on the EP that I'm talking about, um, were kind of, we, we crafted together to, to have a, um, it was like basically whatever. It sounds cheesy and fucking corporate, but it was basically like a team building experience. I'm like, these are new guys I'm playing with. Let's like commemorate this thing by you know constructing two new songs together. Yeah. So we did it, and it was you know everybody of course loved those two songs more than any other song in the set because they were theirs to you know or, or they were theirs more than the other songs. So um, we had a day off in Portland. We were able to get a. Uh, get a studio book just for, you know, a few hours. Um, at Adam Pike's place, actually, um, Toad House. And um, we just went in there for, like I said, a few hours and recorded uh, the Joy Division cover and recorded uh, an original and just, you know, 
played him a few times, thought it was good, and then walked away and went to a party. <laughs> so, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's it. You know, there's one overdub of vocals on one of the songs, and that's it. Big deal. Done. So, you know, it's really, what, the more we talk about this stuff, you know, I'm thinking about, like, you know, the years you were in ISIS, and especially the last several, I mean, maybe 10 years of the career of the band. You guys are operating on a very high level. Um, yes. You know, touring with Tool, and, like, you know, I, I, you guys never had a manager, but there was, like, you know, there were people involved. Like, there was an agent, yeah. you know, labels, all this other stuff. Yeah. And, um, and is it do you is it refreshing now to kind of be taking things back to like kind of like a grassroots like level of just like playing for the hell of it and going out and doing these shows and having fun is it is this like a, a you know a, like how do you feel about all this right now uh it's a mixed bag mostly really super positive uh i i have more freedom now than i've had probably ever in my life uh and that is liberating and exciting like in folds so that that is a that's a really really great thing um, the only challenge is getting shows. You know what I mean? Like I have to like <laughs> email friends and be like, Hey, remember me? Uh, you know, and that, that feels kind of shitty. Usually you just want to like have that kind of worked out for you. So nobody likes to feel like a beggar. You know what I mean? So, sure. um, yeah. but that, honestly, that's it. The rest of it's, you know, like, well, that and finding a label. Those are the two things that are, that have, have kind of chapped me a little bit uh, over the last couple of years. But the rest of it, like the shows, whether people are there or not, like it's always better when they're there, but when they're not, the few people that are there are fucking really loving it and good. Let's have some a nice time together, man. You know, so it, it is way more than not really liberating and really exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you seem to be doing fine, though. I mean, you got, you know, you had some stuff on Neurot, you got My Only Sheath is a solid label, and, yeah. you know, I mean, it seems to be working out okay. Yeah, it's just a challenge getting there. You know what I mean? It took forever to, to, to finally work all that stuff out. But it, whatever, this is, it's like fucking first world problems. You know what I mean? So whatever. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man, because like I find myself like even you know the challenges of, of doing tombs and all this other stuff. And I, you know, you the more you get, the further along you get, and even even like whatever like minuscule amount of progress I've had with the band, it's like. You know, you get frustrated when certain things don't happen, but then you're just like, you know what, man? Like, there's like dudes out there who don't even have the opportunities that I'm, I'm able to have, and I I should be thankful for that, you know. And it's like, and just kind of keeping it real that way is like really good sort of grounding activity to do sometimes. I think. Uh huh. You're never gonna be satiated. That thirst will never be quenched. You know <laughs> what I mean? So oh, totally. Yeah, it's it's just you, you gotta you gotta find a way to get right with like you're now essentially not not to get all metaphysical, but that's what I'm finding at least. So you know, every now and then I think about uh, last November when we all played together. Me, you know, me, you guys, um, you know, Bennett was there. You know, yeah. And it's like you guys are like some of my oldest friends, man. And it was just like really cool to have been able to like you know, come to Los Angeles, which is a city I really enjoy going to and playing a show together. And it was like a really fun night, man. And like, you know, we should be able to do that. We should do that again sometime is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement. And walking up to the club and see you guys out front and just being able to sit down and bullshit with you guys out there made me super goddamn happy. And that was before, the, you know, the magic of the show even started. That was just, you know, us being 
normal dudes that we've always been, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Hey, do you know Mark Vieira at all? The guy who manages us? He's a Boston guy. I don't think so. Is he in Boston now or New York? No, he lives in L.A., actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, he, I was just curious because he's, um, he knows a lot of other people that I, I knew from Boston, and he, I don't know if he was there when I lived there, but, um, he knows a lot of the darker side of, of Boston that I know, and uh, and I, I don't have to name any names, but uh, he knows some of those guys. And um, gotcha. You know, I was just curious if you knew Vieira at all. But, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I may have met him, and and then may the name been sick, but yeah, I not to my knowledge currently. Yeah. Well, um, dude, it's been a great uh, hour or so of chatting and hanging out and getting caught up with everything. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, next month. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you. And it's always fucking easy with you, brother. So, yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Man. So, uh, you know, once again, like, um, you know, when, when does that tour kick off? And, like, in what city? Uh, it starts off in Cambridge on September 11th. Not a celebration, just a happenstance. And then we'll be in Brooklyn uh, the night after at St. Vitus on the 12th. And then we work our way down to Richmond on the 18th and then uh the west coast shortly thereafter how long is it to- in total like how many days is it let's see i think what, uh, it's just it's literally one week uh to the day on the east coast and was it 22nd to first i think it's like 10 days it's like uh two and a half weeks total oh, cool. something like that no, yeah. a nice little run and this yeah, new this good. this new release like do you have a date for that yet no, I just I, I just started sending it out to labels, uh, like literally um, Thursday. So, um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, and then and then becoming is, is available. That's out there. Um, you can yes, get that. becoming is on the Bankhead page. Absolutely. Yeah, or you, or you you're there's a fifty fifty chance that there's a physical copy available at the Mylene Sheath, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> they they have plenty. I'm, I'm sure they haven't sold out. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So, um, so yeah, that's it. That's it, man. And uh, you know, thanks for taking time out on this Sunday afternoon. Awesome, man. Nice to talk to you, Mike. Mm-hmm.